Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rota, and with me is Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father? Good. Yeah. Good? Pretty good. You have a good weekend? Yeah, it was nice. So I was uh, back in the parish this weekend, and let's see what happened. Was at some people's houses. Uh, played some games of cribbage. Lost two for three with Jim Peterson. So I've, I'm having a tough time lately playing parishioners named Jim. They all seem to be have my number. So anyway, are you a big like cribbage person? I I like cribbage. It's fun. I mean, I'm a I like card games and board games and whatever, but Cribbage, it's, it's simple, it's easy, it's mm-hmm. quick. Um, it's somewhat universal, like yeah. I feel like up Yeah, a lot of people know in it. Minnesota. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of luck in the game, but there's some skill, and so yeah. to be outfoxed consistently, it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's humbling, I yeah. guess. It's good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. So. Nice. Um. Anything big going on this week? Well, our uh, our Karen, our DRE, is on retreat this week, so I have a few extra little duties. So I'll be teaching the First Communicant, First Reconciliation uh, students and parents tonight, and then tomorrow night I think the sisters and I are doing faith formation. Um, other than that, no, nothing too exciting going on. We have the movie this this Sunday night, mm-hmm. Pray, four o'clock here at St. Lawrence. Um, so that'll be showing. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't know. I, yeah, I think I think that that's it. That, yeah, from my notes, we had the blood drive yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope hope it was successful. I think it was. I think they were very happy with what how it turned out. It sounded like so. Yeah. Good. Nobody bled to death, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a, a fear. <laughs> good, good. Um, well, uh, today we're talking about uh, the Great Commission, uh-huh. which uh, you mentioned in your homily the, yeah. this past weekend. That's right. Um, we were kind of starting a new series here this month talking about discipleship. Um, and so that's something that we're going to, kind of continue to talk about um in the podcast and you know that'll be kind of the theme through father's homilies throughout this kind of next month um and we're also working on a super top secret video yeah that should be nice should be exciting um yeah but before we get all into that father would you open us in a prayer sure and the father the son and the holy spirit amen Lord, we come before you, and we ask you to bless our time today, and we also ask you to just open our hearts, um, especially as parish leaders, as we try to uh, invite people to follow you, to come to know you, to come to serve you, and then also to uh, take part in the great mission of the church. So, Lord, as we talk about that today, we just ask you, bless our conversation, bless those who hear this, may they... Uh, receive um, your invitation to follow. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, um, well, 
So talking about the Great Commission, and you mentioned it in your homily, mm-hmm. but um, it's uh, it's Matthew twenty eight. Do you know the the specific verses in like eighteen through like twenty one or? Yep, it's the last three verses of the gospel. Yeah, and and so th- this is the last. Yeah, it's like that. That's the like the last, end, right? Yeah, very last thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, giving like some context to this because that's like it's the end of the gospel. It's it's like right after this, Jesus ascends into heaven. Yeah. Right. And so I think like I've had, had it described to me before. It's like this is the very last thing Jesus said to his. Um, like closest friends when he was on earth. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he, it was probably something important, right? He wasn't just going to just say like, we'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, just like some really like weird wisdom, just like, just, you know, you know, stay away from the woods or you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, like he's like, this is the last thing I'm going to say. So it's probably pretty important. And then he starts it off too with like all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Mm-hmm. Go therefore. And then he says, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to all observe. to observe all that I have commanded you. Yeah. And behold, I will be with you for all the age. Yeah. So, um, but just how he starts it off with all authority in, on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's like, okay, that, that is, he's kind of like, I'm, I have all the authority yeah. And this is the last thing that I'm going to say. And I'm giving it to you, sharing yeah. it with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I like if you kind of like I feel like if you like set the stage with that, it's like okay, that that was probably pretty important. Yeah. Not a throwaway comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So, I get. I guess. How how do you like receive that? Because because yeah, that, that's like a pretty. Um, it's a big, it's a big statement and it's, it's kind of something that ha- that ha- the church has used for its time mm-hmm. as, I mean, it's, it's kind of become like, you know, like the mission statement of the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess how would you like kind of, um, like break that down? Yeah. I think, you know, for those who are living as Catholic or living as a Christian, it's 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 good to look at this statement because it, it really does tell us what we should be all about. And we can look at our church and look at the fruit, look at what we're doing, all the energy that we're spending doing different things. And if if we aren't doing these things, like going and preaching, baptizing, um if we're not making disciples, helping people become followers of Jesus, then we have something majorly wrong with what we're doing and how, how we're organizing ourselves. And so um, if we look at our church and we are simply a social club or we look at our church and we are just about taking care of the poor and the needy, I mean, those are important things, but we need to preach the gospel. I mean, ultimately, the gospel is what saves us, not our extra uh, helping of other people. Like those are those are a sign that we are hopefully have encountered Christ and we desire to serve others. But um, you can look at different organizations and how they function, how they what they kind of make their their mission and their focus. And this this kind of outlines what ours should be. And so it's a good measuring stick for us to say, are we living what Jesus asked us to do? Or have we have we shifted into something else? 
Now, of course, that's like I sort of talked about, that's going to look different for each one of us. And even across ages, it's going to look different according to what the needs are. But um, we need to be focused on what Jesus asked us to do, not our own little private projects or our own worldly projects. So um, I think it's something we have to continually look to and ask, is this what we're doing? So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. There's this this book, which I know we've talked about plenty of times, but um, it's called Divine Renovation. And mm-hmm. it's about this um, this priest in, like, Canada. In, in Canada and, yeah, in, in Halifax, um, which I don't even know if I could point to where that is on a map. But, um, but he, um, he, yeah, he's done a lot in just his parish. Um, and he wrote this book talking about the renewal that they did in, uh, in these parishes. And one of the things that he said in kind of the beginning of the book, he talks about this, uh, the Great Commission. And he kind of breaks it down that there's four commands that come out of this, um, which is to go make, baptize, and teach. And he, he goes into like the original Greek. And I guess that there's, there's something, um, uh, and I don't know if you're more familiar with this or if you know how to explain it better, but, um, that's, um, like there's one, uh, word in that specific sentence that is kind of like the most important word and i forget like the name that they gave for it um but but the the one that was most important was um to make like that was kind of like the highlight of the sentence Mm -hmm. and so out of those four commands um go make baptize and teach make was like the so to make disciples is like the most important one yeah um which i thought that was really interesting that that was like the one that was highlighted. Yeah. Well, I think if if you're making a disciple, if you've made a disciple, you've also taught them, you've also baptized them, uh, you've preached to them, you've you've gone out to them, right? So, I think that's why to make a disciple, it kind of entails all the others, right? So all the others point to it or set up to it or perpetuate it or whatever. So. Yeah, it's kind of the center, and I, I remember him focusing on that in the in the book for parts of the book there. So yeah, I um, we do a lot of stuff as a church, but do we make disciples? You know, that's the that's the question I guess that I was probing at, and that he was getting at in that book, and that we're kind of discussing is, uh, you know, that's the heart of what Jesus asked us to do, is to go out to the world and bring people to Him, like. That's that's to make a follower of Jesus is allowing somebody to receive the gospel. They've they re- received it enough to the point where they're they are now looking for Jesus. They're seeking him out. They're they're following him, and so that's a big step. I mean, it's a big it's important thing for someone to get to that point where they're willing to follow Jesus, and so that's really what we're all about. But sometimes we're all about other things. You know, I've I've been in parishes, or seen parishes at least, where we're all about serving ourselves. Like those who are already coming to church, we want to serve them, and we should, right? That should be a part of what we do, is to, to help build up the faith of, of those who are coming. But if we'd never go out to beyond our borders, beyond the members of our church, are we really ever going to make disciples uh, of people outside of our boundaries? Like, 
That's hard to do, right? So that should be a normal part of our life as Catholics, is inviting people to know Jesus. Um, I don't know how good we are at that. You know, I don't. I don't know how how well we train the rank and file person in the the laity in the pew to be comfortable with saying, "Hey, do you know Jesus? Let me let me introduce you to Jesus, or come to my church and let's learn about Jesus together." Or you know, throwing out those personal invitations. That's what we're supposed to be all about. And I think we look at other Christian denominations, and some seem to be much more willing to do that than we are. Um, many Catholics would say, oh, I don't, that's not my style, or I'm not comfortable with that, or I don't do that. Or, And okay, I mean, we all certainly do have a particular way we communicate and we're comfortable, but at the end of the day, is there any effort in the parish to go out beyond our own members? And so, I mean, that's that's one thing that, to ask ourselves, that these are little ways we can try to see, what are we doing? Are we Are we fulfilling this? invitation to make disciples or not and you know when you get down right to it it's it's like it's pretty clear if you are or if you aren't so mm-hmm. yeah and i think um looking back at the history of the church you can kind of see uh the different waves that the church has kind of gone through whether they're you know the very big kind of missionary waves mm-hmm. or um you know, or there's the times where, you know, Catholicism was kind of the world religion, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. seemed like. So uh, there's just kind of different points that the church has gone through. And, uh, and and kind of you see, like, the need for all different sorts of disciples. And so there's, you know, there's times where the church has really need, needed missionaries and times where the church has really needed um, teachers. Mm-hmm. Um and so just like there's a bunch of kind of different stages, but at the same time, it's all focused on discipleship and building that relationship mm-hmm. and then kind of seeing like, okay, well, what's maybe specifically needed during this time? Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes we can make it complicated. What is a disciple? But, you know, a disciple doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I'm totally formed. It doesn't mean like I'm a priest or I'm a, sister or I'm a uh, I work at the parish or that I'm employed by the church that doesn't disciple doesn't you know entail something like that but it's it's a basically a recognition that I am following Jesus I've made the decision I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to live my life for Jesus whatever he calls me to and you know whatever vocation I live in whatever wherever I'm called to work where, wherever I am in my life, I live as a follower of Jesus first and foremost. And that's both simple and hard. You know, it's it's a simple thing to kind of get a sense of, but a hard thing to live, I would say. Especially for, for the laity, because you are out in the world. You are not, I mean, it's somewhat easier for me in the parish to speak to those who are coming, because they've already at least taken the step to come to the door, right, of the church, to be in the church. Um, so one way or another they kind of have said we're willing to listen um but then when you go outside the the parish boundaries how do we engage that conversation and so yeah i do that uh from time to time but um, all of us in our own way i think just are called to do it in a simple day-to-day interactions with other people and you know for ourselves too i mean that was another thing is 
we don't have to be afraid that the message won't be received. It will or it won't, right? So we don't have to we don't have to try to figure out like how to how am I going to convert this person? Jesus is the one who converts, right? So I think sometimes it's our hesitation is I I don't I want to control the outcome and I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh one of those things we have to trust that the Holy Spirit, that Christ is the one. So yeah. Yeah, I uh, um going looking back at like the Great Commission and those kind of four commands. Um and I know at one point I, I was kind of curious, so I looked into some of the numbers, but when you look at like the church and specifically like the Catholic church has the highest like missionary presence in the world, mm. you know, how many different missions are there? And, and then even just like you look at like, if you want to go on a mission trip, you can, you know, find one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even just like looking Christian wide, there's a ton of different missions or anything that you can go on or, or do. And then if you look at, um, like, baptize, like, go, you know, go and baptize, there's, I mean, baptism's becoming, I guess, less popular and normal now, mm-hmm. but I know, but that's more of a, that's a very kind of recent trend. Yeah. And for the most part, even if somebody isn't practicing any faith, they've been baptized. Yeah. And then if you look at the the teaching aspect, and whether, I guess, you look at just, like, Catholic schools in general. I mean, there's a ton of Catholic schools and Catholic colleges. You know, education is has been something that has been very big just throughout the history of you know tradition of Catholicism. Um, but then you look at the like making disciples part, and I mean, I think if you just like look out into the world right now and just the state of the church, it's like okay, obviously we haven't been doing that great of a job. Mm-hmm compared to the other three, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, probably the last 50 to 100 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's because it's sort of in the other person's court to, to take ownership of it, it can be a little bit like, well, it's not our responsibility, or like, eh, like I don't know how to do that, or I don't, because you're dealing with the freedom, like, baptize a child? Yeah, we can do that. Like, yeah. you know, uh, preach the word. Yeah, we can do that. Have a have a school. Yeah, we can do that. You know, so th- these are things that we're fairly we've done a lot of. Like you said, um, making disciples is a little bit more nebulous. It's a little bit more. It's harder to kind of track. Harder to like because it's when do you know that you're a disciple? You know. I, there's there's things we can look at and say okay this person is going to mass, they're praying, they're um, they're significantly focused on trying to live their faith every day, like that seems to be they seem to be a disciple, um, but it's not something it's it's harder to m- sort of measure or quantify than some of these other things so yeah I can see why. Human nature. I think we want to, we want to count things. We want to see like signs of like yes, it's it's happening, or we want to see like, um, we want to measure it. We want to yeah. size it up. We want to you know. And discipleship is kind of more challenging. I mean, 
Yeah, you work, you worked with Focus. So, what was that like as a, as a missionary to try to bring people into discipleship? Like, it's not always easy, I would think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult uh, because there's yeah, because you, yeah, you're dealing with with people and people are messy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, especially kind of working with college kids that was um uh, it's there it's really easy to work with, with college kids sometimes <laughs> because they're super, available. they're super available they're very moldable um and you know they they yeah like they're they're just they have they're really open to a lot of things mm-hmm. which is also the hard part about working with college kids yeah, right, right. <laughs> um but um I think I think one of the things that we're we're kind of taught through focus and just in general kind of like uh, something that works is like people just crave relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and think that's something too that like like most people know or can think about like if you see some or have experienced like some guy on the, like the side of the street just like kind of like you know a street pre- preacher like you know like oh you're gonna go to hell <laughs> because you don't go to church or something like that. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that like, that's really, that, that really makes me want to go to church. You, yeah. it, se- it seems like you have a great place. You know, <laughs> I, I really want to join you, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that's, and you know, maybe, maybe that was a style that at one point worked, yeah. you know, I don't know. Like even thinking about like the, the reading from this last weekend um, of Jonah, mm-hmm. you know, he goes into Nineveh. Nineveh. <laughs> It was one of the masses that kept saying Nineveh. <laughs> I was chuckling to myself, but yeah, going into the, whatever it is, yeah, the streets of Nineveh, and and you know, just saying repent and come back to the Lord, and, and people did. So I guess you know whether that was a historical word for word account or whatever, but um, but yeah, for the most part, people like that's not attractive to people, right? right, right. And um, especially in today's age, people crave relationships. They crave, you know, being connected to people. Mm-hmm. And so that's something, you know, something is just like being friends with people and I think building that trust, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times uh, you have to really kind of connect with somebody before you can be like, hey, do you like, do you want to come to church with me? Yeah. Credibility is, is huge. Mm-hmm. And like you say, relationship, relational ministry, I think is kind of what we're called to these days because it's, nothing else is working. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, some people are readers, and they'll read themselves into the faith and get interested in in the faith and on the intellectual level. But to really change someone's heart, relationship is necessary. And I guess it's probably always been the case to some degree. But there have been ages when the church is so present in culture that people just kind of fall into Catholicism and they live their Catholic faith because of the culture that they live in and that's kind of the argument that I've been making I guess in the bulletins these last few weeks is that's not the case anymore and because of that we we really do need to make a more concerted effort to, to disciple people bring people to the Lord and yeah it's uh, a lot of people when you offer the discipleship when you invite people into a friendship or relationship they want it but how badly do they want it sometimes they don't want it enough to really commit to it and so i think that's one of the challenges i imagine what's one of the challenges discipling college students is like oh yeah i want this i like the idea of it 
but um, am I willing to come every week to a Bible study or whatever activities mm-hmm. are going on? And it's kind of the same with a parish, you know. Yeah, I, I like the idea of being Catholic, but am I willing to come every week to go to Mass or to be involved in other things throughout the week? Um, maybe not. So you're you're constantly throwing out invitations to people, but you're also wanting them to take the responsibility to, to say yes. And you can't chase everybody down. Um, I think there are times when it's necessary or helpful to, to go after somebody to you know, to be the good shepherd going after the lost sheep. But there's also times when you have to say, that person has made their choice and I can't chase after them. I, I need to let them, I need to let them make the choice of I'm going to be in or I'm going to be out. And um, that's a hard, that's sometimes the hardest thing about pastoring or shepherding or working in a parish is when, when to go after someone and when not, when to invite somebody and to accept the rejection that they might give. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, nobody likes to be rejected, but you can't take it personally. You just have to s- say, okay, the Lord, this is about you, and this person isn't ready yet, I guess. So, Yeah. Yeah, one, one story that I've heard um, was this one guy talking about how he... Because um, he... Uh, like how he got into focus to be a missionary and, and how I think his, like one of his siblings was kind of fell away from the faith. And so he was um, like, he's really trying to get them to, you know, come back to the faith. Mm. And then um, like kind of re- coming to the realization that like, I can't be like, I won't be that person for everyone. Like, I, like I can't um, like, Physically, I can't, but also just like I'm, I'm not going to be able to, like, especially like the, some people that are, you know, my like loved ones in my life. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to be the person to bring them into the faith. Like, I'm just not going to be able to. Mm-hmm. But I will for somebody. Yeah. And the kind of hope and like, you know, it's kind of like a surrender to the Lord that like somebody is going to be that person mm-hmm. for my loved one, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah. You know, and kind of like kind of got to have to surrender that person to the Lord and be like, you know, this is like, somebody has got to be that person for them. Cause I'm not going to be able to, but I can be that for some, for somebody else. Right. Right. You know? And I think that's one of the challenges for those who are trying to make disciples, whether they're missionaries or faith formation, uh, small group leaders or DREs or priests or anybody re- working in the church, trying to do the work of the mission of the church that's one of the challenges we face is um, we want we want sometimes we're so focused on numbers or focused on results like we we re- want to get all the most capable people we want to we want to evangelize and help people in droves come to church and maybe the Lord is just asking, inviting this one person and so we have to be open to who is it Lord that you're calling me to minister to right now and maybe it's Maybe it's just a few people. Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's a handful of people and not tens and twenties and hundreds and thousands of people over the course of my life, but maybe one person or maybe a few people. Like, you know, if you can have a really good friendship with someone and then over the course of your life help them come to know Jesus, like that's an incredible gift. But it might take your whole life. And like the whole life of pouring out this relationship, 
not that it's always going to be give, 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 and nothing ever returned. Like a friend, a true friendship, there's always going to be some good in it in other ways too. But um, to be an influence in someone's life, oftentimes the best way and the most uh, long-term way to have that impact on someone is to have a friendship with them. And so if we just want to evangelize and then move on to the next person, like I just want to, I want to make you a disciple and then I'm going to drop you and go to the next one. Like that's just not how it's done or it's not an effective way. And so I think that's been unfortunately our sort of model in terms of how we form people in the faith is we, we give them all the sacraments, we give them all these things uh, these lessons and so forth, but do they ever feel connected and loved by the people of of their parish? You know, that's that's something that doesn't happen automatically, and so it's hard because how do you set up friendships? Friendship is a it's a thing you can't just again can't just make happen, right? So being intentional about entering into relationship with people, inviting people into uh, a shared life seeking um it takes discernment who who lord are you asking me and and showing me to to invite and so it's it's a big investment you know Mm -hmm. yeah and it kind of makes me think about like one jesus like i mean jesus was god he could (laughs) he could have done probably anything but he decided to you know come to the earth as a man and, uh, like, invest very deeply in 12 guys. Yeah. One of who, like, totally betrayed him. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he was God. And so, mm-hmm. so I was like, I think that, it's like, Jesus went one for 12 and he was God. So it's like, I think we, you know, and, and he only really worked on, with 12 guys. Like, yeah, there was the 72 disciples and, like, there's a bunch more people that he encountered mm-hmm. and, you know walked with yeah. but there's just those 12 people that he like truly invested his life in for three years yeah. and so yeah what do you call that in uh focus when you have like the layers or the different levels yeah yeah so um <laughs> the waves yeah so in in focus um which again i don't know if people aren't familiar with focus it stands for the fellowship of catholic university students and it's a missionary program where they send teams of missionaries all over uh the united states and even internationally now to college campuses uh, just to, to work with students and to um, to make disciples, and yeah, they have we have this thing uh, with it, it's called spiritual multiplication. Hmm. It's basically this idea that if I can just invest very deeply in three people, like if, like that's all I'm going to focus on is just focus on really like finding three people that I you know I can connect with and that you know build some trust and really like help develop them into disciples, and then but then you know if each each of those three people could go and invest deeply in three others. Mm-hmm. So kind of like the, the pyramid scheme, mm-hmm. but but a, like like a pyramid scheme for Christ. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. which which I don't know if 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 they want it being called the pyramid scheme yeah. e- even for, for for Christ, but yeah. but but this kind of idea that like I don't have to be uh, like a world changer. Like there's very few John Paul twos. Right. You know, like that was one guy that was extremely gifted in many ways. And I mean, people people came to the church because of JP two, and mm-hmm. you know, think you think of like the JP two generation of priests mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it's like we aren't we probably don't get very many JP twos, <laughs> you know, m- m- maybe like one, maybe two per lifetime, yeah. right? But then, 
um, there's a story of like I forget his name. I don't know if you know, but uh, the guy who um, John Paul II, like he was in his Bible study. It was like um, it was like Jan. His first name is Jan. Oh, the guy over in Poland. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like during. Um, during the Nazi occupation. Yeah, during the, the Nazi yeah. occupation, no one could really practice their faith. But this one guy, he was he was like kind of a like a weird. Yeah, he's kind like, of a recluse in some ways. But, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. He and had he, this knowledge, this deep knowledge of Saint John on the Cross and some other. Yeah, Catholic. And and he he just got these, like he knew these handful of like young men and like well, I think once a week had him over to his house, and they would just pray the rosary together and you know pray and talk about their faith. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys was Carol Waitiwa, who became JP two. And like out of like the handful of guys, like half of them became priests. Yeah. And one, I mean, one became John Paul II. And I mean, who knows? John Paul II could have, like, he could have been the same without that. Yeah. But just thinking about it, like, that, that's a guy who, you know, that this Jan, I'll have to try to find his yeah. name. Whoever but, he is, yeah. but he, you know, he probably didn't have a ton of skills, right? Or like, you know, evangelistic skills. But he just had invited guys over to his house and prayed the rosary with them. Yeah. And you know, one of them became John Paul II, who changed the world. Yeah. You know? Right. So yeah. it's just like that kind of idea that like, you know, maybe I can't change the world, but maybe I can change one person's world. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that's so important to kind of keep that perspective. Like we can look at the world around us and see there's so much to do, so many things to overcome and so many obstacles. And so to bring break it down into like, like you say, three people or a few people makes it more manageable. And then when you talk about a friendship, like, I love friendships, you know, play cribbers together. Or yeah. I do things. I, I just uh, met with my fraternity group, my priest fraternity group on Sunday. That's one thing we do once a month. Um, one of the priests in my group is a close friend that I see outside of the group. And the others, I probably don't see that often uh, other than at clergy events across the diocese. But through this time of getting together and um, kind of pursuing Christ together as priests, um, I've got to know him, and it's it's a joy. It's a good thing. Um, so, but we we pray together, we eat together, and then sometimes we recreate together. We do like play a game or or just do something fun or a puzzle or something, you know. So, uh, discipleship doesn't have to be like, oh, I got to plan this great talk and I got to like do this book study. Like, those can be tools, but at the end, it's a friendship that's centered on my relationship with Christ, and I invite this person into that. And, um, yeah, you never know where it's going to lead, you know? So I think sometimes we make it very complicated or we kind of we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do great things, you know? And it's like, well, maybe God is just asking us to do this one simple thing, you know? Yeah. Host a, a tea party at my house with these <laughs> yeah. ladies now and then. There's my former parish there was a group of ladies that would meet for tea every now and then and um yeah i mean there's just friendship is is a a place to start if you don't have friendship if you don't have a rapport with somebody it's really hard to have an influence in their life and i think that's one of the mistakes we sometimes make make is that we make demands of people before we have a relationship with them and i guess that's one of the challenges as a pastor as a as a faith formation, uh, small group leader, we all face as we're asking kids or asking adults or asking our parishioners to 
to believe us or to accept what we're saying sometimes without having a relationship with them. I mean, I, right now there's a ton of people in the parishes that I don't know, that I don't don't know well, and yet every week I'm preaching to them and saying things to them and writing things to them, and they may or may not feel like they know me. I, I don't feel like I know a ton of people in the parish. I know some. I'm getting to know more, but it's a slow process of getting to know people, and so I feel like part of the credibility comes because I'm a priest, but that only goes so far in these days. And so I feel like um, that's one of the challenges. And so I, as the priest, I'm not going to be able to reach out to everybody. I'm not going to be able to touch everybody's lives in a personal, deep, profound way. So I need other parishioners to get on board and to take part in this this work of making disciples. And I can't do it myself. And I think... Um, and you're not supposed to. Yeah, right? I'm not supposed to. But sometimes yeah. that's been sort of the the thought is like, oh, that's Father's job. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe not, you know? Mm-hmm. Where, where do you think that kind of maybe mentality came from? Yeah. Because, I mean, like obviously, even just looking at the pews pre-COVID, it's like, you know, something tells me we're not maybe doing what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I feel like, you know, we've been doing a better job over the, maybe the last like 20 years. Yeah. Um, but for a while there, like we, which this is maybe a topic for another, another day too, but the culture changed really fast and we didn't really adapt mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. I, th- I think, and I don't, I can't speak to it before the Vatican council, but, Afterwards, there was a great sort of energy of inviting the laity to take up leadership roles. But sometimes that it was like to replace the clergy or to do what the clergy does. And so I don't think everything was always perfectly done or clarified of like, how do we work together? Um, There's things that the priest does that only the priest can do, but there's things that the laity does that only the laity can do. And so how do we work together? Um, I think it's somewhat easy to say, oh, that's Father's job. I don't want to have the hard conversation with my friend or my relative or whoever. Um, I don't want to present the truth. I'll let Father have the hard conversation. Um, Sometimes um, it's the priest who says that, I don't want to have the hard conversation with the parishioners. I'll let their parents or I'll let the bishop or I'll let some other theologian or whatever, like, here, read, read this book, you know, and tell me what you think. Like, Sometimes we, we pass the buck in a sense of instead of entering into that relationship or using the relationship that they have to influence people or to, to try to speak to them in a way that they can receive it, we kind of pass it off on somebody else or say, ah, I don't want to do that. So I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. I think it's a number of factors. Partly is because the clergy were sort of seen as the professionals for a while and maybe even saw themselves as the professionals and sort of said, oh, the laity, they're not smart enough to, to teach people. They're not smart enough to evangelize. They're not smart, you know, like this kind of stuff. And so you have those kind of things that people either accepted implicitly or explicitly that aren't true, you know, that all the baptized are called to make disciples. All the baptized are called to enter into the mission of the church all in our appropriate ways. And so, I don't know, I think... From time to time, we just need to be reawoken to that reality. And I would say this is definitely a day and time when we need to 
I feel, I feel like, like you say, I think the last couple decades, we're, we're starting to become more aware of like, this is a team effort and we're talking about it, but I still don't think it's a super accepted fact in the yeah. church. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely um, something that I, I think, you know, as the as the culture continues to change and become farther away from kind of a Christendom Christianity based culture. Um, we'll just have to continue to adapt and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that that's where it becomes even more important, important that we have disciples. Yeah. Because, uh, and it's <laughs> kind of talking to father before we started this podcast is like, you know, we have to, like, how do we even get people in the doors? You know, a lot of people, like, they don't even want to come into, the, like, the doors of a church. And mm-hmm. very few people, and kind of what you're saying, like, come to their faith by themselves. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know what? I'm just going to go to a church and just see what it's like. Yeah. Like, very few people do that on their own. Why Maybe. on earth would you do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> There's a few people who have done that, but not not many. Um, and so, basically, everyone needs, an like, an invitation. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're not going to come unless invited. Right. Um, so that's where it's just even more important that we have people, you know, just in their everyday, everyday, normal, mundane lives that invite people to come to church with them mm-hmm. and, you know, share the gospel with them and talk to them about their faith, you know. Yeah, right. So, so yeah. And uh, any 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 f- final closing thoughts? Final closing thoughts. Hmm. I would say it's it's definitely a time of great possibility in the church. We can look at it and say, oh, there's so much to do, so many things to accomplish, so many, look at the culture going to a pot, look at the world going to pot, look at the church all in, dis, in a dis, disarray, da, 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 that we can look at it all and be a little discouraged. And sometimes we can all get together and just talk about how bad everything is. But in times like this, it's when there's great saints that come from the church. And so um, I think there's a great opportunity for us to be sanctified by entering into the mission of the church now. And if we say yes to that, if we say yes to Jesus and allow him to work in us and through us, um, it may not look exactly how we think it should or hoped it would or whatever. Like one of my most common comments when I'm talking with my brother, priest, or anybody really about these kind of things is, I'd love to get a peek at what it's going to look like in 50 years or 100 years to, to know like, where things are going to go, you know? No idea. No idea what, where everything's going to go. But um, if we say yes to Christ, there's great hope for, for us and for those who Christ invites us to, to speak to. So, you know, I just encourage people, don't get down, don't get um, distraught, but just say yes to Christ and what he's asking you today, and that will lead to uh, renewal in the church. Yeah, great. Thank you, Father. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this and hope you have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you next week.